Combo Nation, what up, what up, what up everyone, welcome to episode 186, you heard that right, episode 186 of Combo's Court, and I am Combo, go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court, actually you know what, pause this episode, then go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to this show, then you could unpause it, get right back to it, because we have a great episode for you, man. Today's show, Jonathan Sharks of The Ringer joins in a great conversation with Jonathan. Keep in mind, we recorded this on July 29th, 2020. To hear more from Jonathan, go subscribe to The Ringer NBA Show. You can find Jonathan on Twitter at Jonathan Sharks. That's J-O-N-A-T-H-A-N-T-J-A-R-K-S. You know you could find me on Instagram at one two combo. That's O N E T W O C O M B O. Intro music by Luca Beats. Let's get into it. Jonathan Sharks of The Ringer. Welcome to Combo's Court. How you feeling today, man? I'm good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I really wanted to know, pre-pandemic, how much of The Ringer's audio content was done in person? Oh, that's a good question. So the stuff I was doing was mostly over Zoom and Skype because I live in Dallas. Right. And The Ringer is based in LA. But all the LA folks, that was all in person, I assume. We had like, we had like three studios at our offices. Right, in LA, right? Yeah. Has that changed now? I mean, now it's all Zoom, obviously. So uh, we were bought by Spotify right before the pandemic happened. Right. And Spotify, nothing's open until next year, office-wise. Jonathan, as of July 29th, there are zero zero positive player tests. Um, The bubble seems to be working. But what have been your biggest takeaways from these scrimmages? Honestly, I haven't been watching a ton of them because, like, my philosophy is – I got a new son. I got a wife. I've only got so much basketball in me. I got to maximize <laughs> the right. basketball I'm watching. Right. Right. Have you get to, have you caught any of it? I mean, I watched some of the bull bull stuff because of course. Yeah. That was Other than that, not really. How do you think, like, do you think the casual NBA fan will be able to consume this and really pay attention to it? Because obviously real basketball guys are going to be able to pay attention to this, be able to watch it. But I'm just thinking in terms of ratings, uh, how are the optics for the casual NBA fan, would you say? I mean, you would think because everyone's locked in their house with nothing to do. Right. You would think it would rate pretty well, but oh, that's a good question. I don't really even know. But yeah. I, I'm, I'm assuming so. That's why they have these games on like 1 o'clock all day because they know there's a captive audience. Yeah, Jonathan, uh, let's shift to Tibbs. Let's shift to the Knicks. He signed a five-year deal. I mean, Tibbs is a proven winner, Jonathan, but I don't know if he's open-minded enough on the offensive end of the ball to make this work in New York. Uh, Obviously a great defensive coach, and he's a proven winner. It's not like he's a bad offensive coach. I just don't know how he will relate to the younger NBA players. What do you make of it? My first thought was, so Tibbs is 62, right? Is that right? Right. Look at the exact age. So is he really going to be on board for a five-year rebuild till he's 67? Right. Like, yeah. did they hire Tibbs thinking we're going to make a quick turnaround? Because 
if you're going for the long haul rebuild, which is what they need, you would think they'd want a younger coach with more patience. I just can't see Tip. Or I thought about Minnesota. So Tibbs took over year one. They were bad. He just said, forget it. I want to be good now and trade it for Jimmy, sign Taj, bought all those ex-players. Like, is that going to happen again? That seems to be the logic, right, if you hire a coach that age. Right? It's the same reason that Pop's not going to rebuild in San Antonio. He's 70 years old. Yeah. When you're that old, you know, when, you, when you're risking death to coach in these COVID ball games, he's not trying to lose games. <laughs> well, Tibbs is an obsessive basketball guy. So he's actually the one person I could see at 80 years old still going all in, watching film. I think he's the one guy that, that would be that committed at that age, actually. I guess the question is, like, how much personnel control does he have? Because I felt like Tibbs is a GM in Minnesota, pretty much sunk Tibbs as a coach. So if he's going to go there and he's just following orders from Rose, maybe it could be like Doc Rivers. You know, like Remember how Doc and the Clippers, he was a bad GM. Now he's just a coach. He's doing well. Maybe that could be Tibbs's – it's what saves Tibbs in New York is just being the coach. But you're right, too. The, the Wolves didn't shoot many threes in Minnesota, and you got to wonder – with the roster Tibbs has, whether he's going to be able to maximize those players if not get the shooters. You know, I've heard of the NBA Ringer show. What I wanted to know is, what do you think about Frank's potential? Because there's so much debate between KOC and Chris. I've actually had Chris on the show about Frank's potential as an NBA player. Chris doesn't seem to be too fond of his game. KOC is way more optimistic, but where do you land on his future? Um, I think Frank, you know, He's not a point guard. That's pretty obvious, right? He's not going to be a guy who's going to run your offense through. He's a role player. He's a, def- he's a really good defensive player. He has great size. I think he's a reasonably smart player. He's just not very aggressive. To me, he's just got to be a 3 and D guy now. He's kind of got to be a spot-up well, you gotta shooter. Make, you got to make threes first, right? Yeah, that's the question, right? Like, I think for me, my comp for Frank coming out Cause I never, I never thought he had like the kind of off the burst dynamic ability to be a primary guy. I kind of saw him as more of a George Hill type, as like the player he has to be. And I think he can still be a George Hill type if he knocks down his threes. Maybe he plays in a new system. Probably a fresh start too, right? Like it's tough for a young guy in New York, right? Because Frank's a secondary player. Who yeah. is he playing off of? What role has he had in New York? It's been consistent. No, it's been constantly changing. Right, he's been there three years. I'd say the best player has changed each year. It went from like Chris Stapps, then he got hurt. Then it was Rose, I guess. It was Julius Randle. So his role's always moving around. He's still crazy young. He's only 21 years old. I feel like Frank's a guy, probably his second stop in the league. He's got the size. We'll get another chance to play somewhere else. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he's stuck, but he's got to make his threes, obviously. Yeah, I think KOC's point is that he could help a really good NBA team, maybe not raise the floor of a bad team. Yeah, that's the interesting thing with a guy like him. When you look back when the Knicks drafted him. I mean, first off, right, the Knicks drafted him to be a triangle point guard. Right. In Phil's system. Then, then I think the year, the same year they drafted him, Phil got fired and had a new system. That's already a bad a, a knock against you. Your GM gets fired. And so, yeah, if you're a young, it's tough if you're a young supporting player drafted on a bad team. Because you need to be in a role where you can support someone. But he's had no one to, to support in these three years. So that makes yeah. it tough. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, you know, 
Jonathan, my listenership knows who I think is one of the most interesting teams in the NBA. You wrote an article about them, the Houston Rockets. The name of the article is, Are the Small Ball Rockets Sleeper Contenders in the NBA's Restart? Um, how would you answer that question? And what other sleepers do you see for, um, as contenders in the bubble? I guess, well, you know, just to let you behind the curtain. So writers never write their own headlines. Oh. So like that head, right? So yeah, I don't want the headlines or the subheads. Yeah, that's I'm a podcast, Jonathan, not a writer. <laughs> <laughs> so that's always the editor. And on top Got of you. that, if someone writes an article in the question, as a, like, right, if the headline is a question, the answer is usually no. So no, I don't really think they're sleeper contenders. That was kind of the thrust of the article. But you know, That's interesting. That's it, that, seems, that seems good and bad that somebody would write your title because – it's good because, like, I find that one of the things that aren't really so interesting is, like, writing a title for my podcast. But another thing is, is it could be misleading and not really coming from your heart. So it's kind of like a catch-20. You're just part of a machine, you know? <laughs> <laughs> right, right, right. Okay, okay. But, yeah, <laughs> expound. Okay, so I guess the basic thrust of the piece was, like, I think for as much hype as the whole not having a center thing was – to me, the more interesting part about the Rockets is they don't really have any big wings, right? Like if you're gonna be a championship contender and you don't have like a six seven, six eight, six nine forward, a Kawhi, a KD, a LeBron, those are the guys that matter anyways, right? Who your center is isn't that big a deal anymore. So to me, like for all the talk about, oh, yo, Houston's a small ball team changing the game, the real like miracle wouldn't be a team without a center winning a championship. It'd be a team whose best player is six foot five winning a championship, right? Like Harden to me is not going to be as good as Kawhi, LeBron, or Giannis. So he's a massive underdog. Doesn't matter who his center is. Really. I, I don't know. I just feel like they're a high variance team and anything could happen. I feel like they could lose to anybody or beat anybody, but over a seven game series, it would be tough. Um, do you feel like I mean I, I would look at it too like with Harden, right? So with Kawhi and Giannis, they can shut down the other team as the best player on top of scoring 35 points in the series, right? Harden yeah. can never do that. Well, Co- Covington that could Harden. Covington could do that work for him. Maybe, but like I feel like the last time Covington was in the playoffs, he got lit up by Terry Rozier in that Sixers Celtics series. He's not super fast. He's a good team defender, but I don't know if he's a lockdown guy one-on-one. Which, yeah, which won't be a knock against him guarding like a LeBron or a Giannis because Terry Rozier is a little guard. I mean, that's tough for any big wing, right? True, yeah. LeBron, you, you wrote an article. I don't know if you wrote the title. Of... I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I don't feel LeBron is past his prime. Um, athletically, yes. I don't think production and value. Um, well, I, I would say, like, when I say passes prime, I'm talking about, like, prime LeBron was the best defensive player in the game on top of his offensive value. Okay, okay. I think okay. that is probably gone. Okay. I would say that he's got – not that he wasn't a smart player before, but if you watch him with the Heat, I mean, he was definitely a smart player, one of the smartest. I felt like he got even smarter and adjusted his game where he still has the same production. But, yes, he's not the defensive I think. I mean, I think does. Yeah, offensively for sure. I would say – it's very much kind of like a Roger Federer thing, where as he's gotten older, he's changed his game to kind of adjust to it. But my thought is like, in those heat days, do you remember that Bull series against Derrick Rose? Yes. When he just yeah. got, when he's locked up Derrick Rose? Yeah. That was, to me was like one of the most 
impressive things he ever did in the playoff series. Like, oh, you're the MVP. I'm six foot nine. I'm going to shadow you all over the floor, block your shot, stay in front of you. I feel like that player is probably gone now. And that's why, to me, he's no longer in his prime. Yeah, yeah. I just feel like he could still do a lot with not that much. Not saying he doesn't have that much. I'm just saying if he wasn't there with the Lakers, I think it would be a lot different than, you know, uh, Giannis not being on the Bucks or even Kawhi. I mean, teams have played well with Kawhi leaving, like we look at Toronto. Um, I still believe LeBron is the most valuable player in the league, no matter who you gets think over Kawhi? I do, I do. That's the question, right? It's going to be LeBron versus Kawhi in the conference finals. It's going to be awesome, hopefully. Yeah, I think that will happen. Who would you have in that? I think I'm going to take Kawhi for now. I think he's younger. He's a better jump shooter, better defensive player. Yeah, it's funny. I think he, I mean, when it comes to the end of the shot clock, he probably could score better than LeBron, let's say, and he's the better defender. I just feel like... LeBron does so much even off the court and he's almost like a coach, a general manager and everything and brings so much value to a franchise. But see, I would say Kawhi is that too though, right? Kawhi's GM. That's something that's so crazy with those two guys. Like they're out here playing chess, right? LeBron and Kawhi, like LeBron got Davis, Kawhi got George. Like it's freaking, it's some next level stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. And I think Luca will have that effect eventually, if not now. I mean, yeah, I mean, I don't think Luca has that kind of control on his team yet. Right, right. I'm just talking about making everybody. Yeah, that's possible. Yeah. How do you feel about the Mavericks as a sleeper? I like them a lot to get out of, like, first round. To me, like, I just, to me right now, I feel like this league is so big wing dominated. There's just, like, big three of teams, you know, with, like, LeBron, Kawhi, Giannis. They do lack depth. they They do lack depth in that position, right? Yeah, that's to me is my concern with them. Like, if they got to play the – like, theoretically, for the Mavs to win a title, they probably got to beat all three of those guys in back-to-back-to-back rounds. So that, that's asking a lot of their defense, I think, is the problem. But other than that, though, if Dallas can avoid a team with a big wing, they can beat anybody. Their offense is incredible. They yeah. think the number of offense of all time. Yeah, yeah, numbers-wise for sure. And you know who really impressed me this season? Tim Hardaway Jr. Not from – Oh, my gosh. Sh- he's been great. Yeah, not from, like, even stats or anything like that. Just watching him play, he's playing winning basketball. Like, I've never seen him do that before. No offense. Yeah, to he me. bought into a role, right? He's yeah. playing off Luka. He guards two positions. He spots up. He's totally bought into a role. He's no longer, he doesn't dribble the ball 50 times a game and jack up shots. Everything is very much on the system. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. Uh, Jonathan, the games in the bubble won't count towards NBA awards. Um, it's interesting because it counts towards a championship. It counts towards career stats. Why do you think the NBA made that decision? I don't know. That's a good question. I, I guess, to be fair, the team's not in the bubble. I, I don't know. I think maybe for, like, rookie of the year, that's important. But, yeah, that was odd to me, too, they made that decision. I, I really don't know. If we take – you know, you mentioned Rookie of the Year. If we take Ja out of it, well, I'm assuming you have Ja, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Who would, you, who would be your Rookie of the Year? Outside of Ja? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess you got to put Zion there. I don't know. I mean, he's only played like 15 games. Though. That's what I'm saying. Like, I would think it might – I don't know. It could be none or Zion. Like, it's kind of a – it's a tough question, I think. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Number two in rookie of the year doesn't really matter, I guess. Uh, <laughs> right, uh, right. Or number three in this in this case. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'll give a shout out too to Brandon Clark. He's been awesome for Memphis. He's a low key, very valuable rookie. Is he a guy that you feel will keep on getting better, or this is what he is right now? 
I think so. I actually had Clark as the number three player in this draft. So I'm a big Brandon Clark guy. Yeah, yeah. And and he's been playing great. There's been actually some good rookies out there this year, you know, outside of John. It's been a good year. It's been a good year. Yeah, you know, you just got to look a little – you got to think outside the box, right? Sometimes I feel like with draft coverage, everyone's like, oh, man, the top ten is so weak. But then it's like, then how can anyone's top ten is the same? If the top ten is weak, look somewhere else for the good players. There's going to be a couple. It's, you know, well, the, to- the top tells five- you that. Yeah, the top five this season is kind of all over the place. I mean, it depends on who's drafting. Because, I mean, I think the big boards look a lot different than the mock drafts. And it- yeah, it's just like – I just feel like there's – like, like in this year's draft, there's kind of like a consensus after like four through ten. Even though most folks will say, oh, you know, four through ten is kind of weak. Yeah, the consensus guys aren't that good necessarily. But that means you got to kind of look outside the box to find some valuable players. Yeah, teams like the Heat, teams like the Spurs always find those guys. Um, I know you mentioned Bull Bull earlier. I was so surprised when he went 44th, man. And I have a podcast talking about that way back, way back when. I actually grabbed a quote from it recently. Um, were you surprised by his performance? I know that's the one thing you said you did pay attention to and see. Yeah, I mean, not. I guess, no, I don't know. I mean, he is 7'2". He can't shoot. So in that yeah. sense, he's, and he blocks shots. I think he fell for stuff that – I feel like he fell for the same reason Mitchell Robinson fell last year. It's just he's a big man, and teams just don't value big men anymore. And you have a big man with a limited track record, off-court questions. That's where those guys fall. It's just, it's just a matter of positional value, I think, is really what it comes down to. Yeah, like I guess he only played in the scrimmage because he's backing up like four bigs in Denver. I guess teams felt that he had these skills to handle the basketball and shoot the bat, like and shoot it, but he might not be asked that in the, at the NBA level. I feel like yeah. that was a concern. Yeah, totally. Like he's, he's the role he's going to fill as a seven footer is probably going to play backup center. It's like you can find backup centers anywhere and everywhere these days. It's, it's yeah. just tough. Any hope for the remaining eight? And would you like to see them play in some kind of bubble this summer? Maybe in like a summer league setting. Like I think that would be cool. Those yeah. Teams Right, I wouldn't mind seeing like Anthony Edwards play before the years in some bubble. That'd be kind of interesting. I mean, these teams probably not, but if they're young guys next year, get them some run before the season. That makes sense to me in a semi bubble or something. I don't know. Yeah, Jonathan. Give us some more content, right? <laughs> what? What'd you say? Give us some more content, right? Nah, yeah. I mean, it, all this stuff is interesting. The more that I mean, the more they do, the more we could watch. You know, it's better for everybody. I just hope the casual fan of uh, pays attention to these games because I know I will. Um, I think it's going to be interesting. And I think – I have a feeling, Jonathan, I don't know how you feel about this, that league-wide shooting percentages will go up. I know as a player, the greatest – Interesting. The the greatest performances I've ever seen when it comes to shooting have been in small gyms, not in big gyms, from the same players. A lot lot of players shoot a lot better in smaller gyms. I know Buddy Heald mentioned something I think that this is really comfortable for him. Obviously, he's always a great shooter. But um, he feels really confident in the setting, and I think other players do as well. Um, I mean, I think, like, no travel could be big, too. Like, there are guys' legs. They've rested for all this time. They're not going to travel. That's got to be helpful for your legs. Oh, oh, most definitely. Getting off a plane, even if it is a private jet, is tough. Um, But the games are more frequent, right? Yeah. So it's interesting to see what it's going to be. It'll be a fun science experiment to see kind of what matters and what doesn't. Yeah, do you think that the younger players will have an advantage for one, that there is more frequent games, and two, the experience factor might not be as grand, 
right? See, but see, I wonder if the older guys that four months off could do them a lot of good, right? Because they're a little that's fresher. true. I mean, especially a guy like Kawhi, right? Kawhi always kind of slows down. He has to take so many games off. Now he's had a full four month off season to get ready for the playoffs, basically. Yeah, I don't and, know. that's a good question. Yeah, and as a player, you have two full time jobs. Um, one is the team, and one is yourself. And I think guys like Kawhi and LeBron could really focus on themselves during this, these times, and it might benefit them. You're right. Yeah, I mean, you know, a guy like Harden, Harden always plays so many minutes every season that slows down. Well, now we didn't have to play all that many minutes. Yeah, so maybe th- there you go. Maybe they'll win the championship, Jonathan. There you go. <laughs> Bring it all back around. <laughs> Jonathan, you're always welcome back on the show. Talk soon. Looking forward to hearing you on the NBA Ringer show. Um, let us know where we could find you on social media and everywhere else. Yeah, um, um, I'm, on, I'm not on Twitter too much, but I have an account. Just my last name, Jonathan, T-J-A-R-K-S. I'll post my links to my stories. But mainly the ringer.com and the Ringer NBA show. We'll be back on starting next week. To have We'll go back to like three or four shows a week. And Jonathan, is on, and Jonathan is on that show. Jonathan, thank you for being here. Really appreciate you. Thanks for having me on, man. Have a good one. Thank you to everyone who listens to Combo's Court across the globe. And big shouts to Jonathan for joining in. We appreciate you. Combo Nation. Go rate, review, and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to Combo's Court. That's right. I'll say it again. Go rate, review and punch down on that subscribe button wherever you listen to combos court we here at the show would greatly appreciate it be on the lookout for episode one eight seven combo out